0: Thursday, and you know what that means? Mm-hmm. We've got Brody Lee yeah. on the podcast. Oh, well, we normally yeah. don't start that way, but I felt like it would be weird if we didn't start the podcast with you that way.
1: I mean, anyway. I just I just discontinued it, so probably good. it. Yeah. bullshit?
0: Anyway, this is AEW Unrestricted. Hi, everyone. I'm Aubrey Edwards with my lovely co-host Tony Shavani.
2: Lovely. How you doing, you bitch? <laughs> Wait, are you talking who, to me? Who, who are you talking to? Which <laughs> Talk, one? I was talking to Aubrey because before we started rolling tape here, she was giving me a hard mm-hmm. time. So I, I was it's...
0: giving you a hard time because you weren't getting your shit together. Like, we already started 15 minutes late, and I'm dealing with your bullshit.
2: Yeah, Tony was late. All
0: right. <laughs> Tony was late. <laughs> well,
2: bro, uh, hey, Brody, sorry you had to get involved in this, but it's good to see you, my friend. How you doing?
1: Hey, good to see you, too. You know, I appreciate uh, that I could accommodate you guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks for joining us this week on You're welcome.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. I had such a fun time last time while driving in a car yeah. trying to not die. I actually decided to uh, be stationary for this one.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. You told us before your eight-year-old son was sleeping with the TNT title. How did he take <laughs> he the was. fact that you don't have it anymore? How did he take to that?
1: So as you know, in that match, I was quite injured, looked bit. horrible. Yeah. It, it was probably not what an eight-year-old wants to see. And he cried, cried. But the only thing he mentioned was not my health, (laughs) not was not was dad okay. It was you lost the title, so he took it uh, very roughly. Yeah,
0: yeah. The kid understands the importance of the belt.
1: He then turns and said, "Well, now you need to take the tag team title because that's what you do now. You take titles." (laughs) And I said, "You're you're, walking and grab it and leave." I said, "Brody, you're a great booker. You're hired."
0: Oh, my God. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the dog collar match, because it was yes. insane Ooh. and it was bloody and extremely, extremely well done. Like you and Cody have amazing chemistry. The storytelling was fantastic. Thank, Sorry thank you lost. You. But I mean, yeah. ultimately, the match was super, super memorable. So how does something like that come together? Did Cody propose it? Did you propose it? Give us a little bit of behind the scenes.
1: In a very actually roundabout cool story, um, one of my favorite matches of all time is Piper versus Valentine 1983, the dog collar yeah. match, hey, which i watched enough. tons of millions of times. So in discussion of what should the big match be that we do, I almost jokingly threw out, let's do a dog collar match. And everyone goes, yeah, that's a great idea. And I was like, oh, my God. So then the day of, they say, hey, Valentine's coming, and he wants to talk to you. So, him, I, you know, it was unreal. He, you know, he, then after the match, he pulled us aside, put the match over, said how impressed he was, like how how much he loved it, and I, like it was crazy. And then they had that great shot of him at the end, right? Of him just applauding. I haven't watched the match back. I've only seen clips because I don't want. I just want to leave it as it is. It feels very special to me. Uh, it also sucks the result. So I'm going to leave it where it is for a little while. I'll get I'll get vodka drunk at some point and watch it back <laughs> late at night. I
0: like the but specific yeah. vodka. <laughs>
1: uh tito's only, tito's <laughs> only? but I, we just got off of a phone call about not you know these sponsorships so i wanted to be careful just say a very general vodka there you but go. if tito's vodka wanted to sponsor me i'd be very happy about
2: that well they are the vodka for dog lovers as you can hear in the background already right i have
1: i have the dog dish <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> and it says that yeah it, it was a
2: tremendous match but Brody, it was also a dangerous match. You guys, and, yeah. and I know, you know, you, you and we, we all kind of talked about it beforehand, the length of the chain and so many parameters, so many things yeah. can go wrong and something like that. I mean, that was a dangerous thing to get into.
1: Yeah, a couple weird things. Uh, we were presented a couple different chains and options, and we went with what you saw on TV, mainly because it looked good on TV. That was not beneficial to my neck to have right. that, Strapped around me and then carrying around for 20 minutes while another man is trying to kill me
0: define like how a chain looks good on TV versus not
1: <laughs> bigger and makes better sound
0: makes sense. Okay,
1: which in turn hurts more.
0: Yeah, no, totally.
1: So I did this for the fans. I just want them to know that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, um, I talked to a few people a few days after the match. I ride Peloton a lot and the day yes! I think Thursday. I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday. I quit a ride for the first time. I was about 20 minutes in. I said, I can't do this. And my body was just not proper. Um, I think I'm slowly getting just two weeks out now. And I'm slowly getting normal again, worked out. But like, I, th- I think I left a piece of me in there. So, oh, damn. but yeah, but I'm happy with it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so AEW has been... Really great opportunity to let you shine on the microphone. Mm-hmm. Talk about having the creative freedom.
1: It's unreal. Um, it's nerve wracking. Um, I think I mentioned it before, the anxiety and stuff like that of now there's no, uh, there's nobody to blame. There's nobody to say, hey, you, you weren't good because someone wrote this for you. It's now, hey, you wrote this, you performed it and it sucked or it was amazing, Either you know, either way. But like you now have to be prepared to deal with that kind of stuff and I am I'm ready for it that's what I've always wanted uh, I talked about the dog collar match these are the moments and the kinds of things that I yearned for for years I wanted to be a professional wrestler I wanted to be a successful professional wrestler and I wanted to get into these gritty and grimy feuds that have these crazy matches that mean something and I was never given that opportunity at the other place and I've already been given that opportunity several times here let's talk about the development
2: of the of uh the exalted one mm-hmm. and you know, this is, uh, this was a storyline we had heard about a lot going forward in, in AEW in its first year. And, and then all of a sudden, it's Mr. Brody Lee, who's the exalted one. When did you find out that was going to be your your character coming into AEW?
1: Um, it had been mentioned to me as kind of a, an option, but not a clear direction mm-hmm. until a few weeks before. And then they were kind of deciding to debut me and Matt on the same day in Rochester. So it kind of all fell together at the same time and was pretty crazy opportunity to have to be in my hometown to re-debut and to like almost be born again. As for the character, I was a little unsure of it just because I have never done anything like that. So being a background dancer for so long, you, you get bits and pieces from people and you try to put the best foot forward that you can as a leader now. So I try to do that on stage and backstage also. Uh, and then I was termed a leader by somebody in the office a few weeks ago, and I was appalled that they would ever had said that about me. Of course. Uh, but I think I think at this point now maybe that's where I'm getting to.
0: So what was the decision to uh, sort of wear the suits? In <laughs> there was a lot of the earlier promos had had a very very Vince vibe, obviously. Yes. And the suits have still become sort of the namestay, like. Brody Lee is a very well dressed man.
1: Yes, once I wore that first suit, it felt good, but it didn't feel completely right. The Vince McMahon comparisons flew. That, that's all people talked about the first three to four weeks of my right. AEW career, and that yeah. became, I think, detrimental to me. And I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't want it. So I tried to get away from the stuff that they were saying. So as opposed to a, a multicolored suit, I now went with a full suit tailored to me that I don't think looks anything like a Vince man or anybody else. And once I did that red one, I was like, I'm sold. I, this is my bi-monthly, you know, routine now is to go get a suit made and, and it's, I love it. I love it. So yeah, I think it was very important to get as far away as I could from Luke Harper. Um, and this was probably the way to do it also, but it was so stark and so, the contrast is so much. I, know I can't think of the word right now, but like so just so different. Sure. I think people were thrown off by it for a long time. And it took and, and I think I was thrown off for, by it for a while, too, and didn't really find my footing for a month or two in.
2: You are Mr. Brody Lee and you're a badass on Dynamite. Sure. Am. Now let now let's go to Mr. Brody Lee on being the elite. OK. <laughs> OK. Yeah. I, I mean, now, that's an entertaining thing because I've been involved in some of your stuff. <laughs>
1: So uh, are, you saying really that, are you saying that my dynamite character is not entertaining? Is that what I'm too...
2: No, entertaining it's, in a different inter- way. Yes, oh, thank okay, okay, you. Thank okay. you very okay. much, Aubrey. You're not a bitch anymore. Thank you <laughs> no, for bailing me I, out of that. I'm, no. I'm, I'm bailing you out, Tony. Okay. No, you're different. You're, you're entertaining very in different ways.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, after the first few bits of BT hit and were successful, I I, I, w- I may have been heard to tell my friends that I was the best most well-rounded professional wrestler in the world at this current time. And I feel that (laughs) in ring in a serious promo comedy and just all around, I'm the best in the world right now.
0: I mean, and I think
1: BT and dynamite prove it. Yeah.
0: It's hard to be argued, man. I mean, exactly.
1: Yeah. You are well, well well-rounded. Yeah.
0: A a roll of papers has never been more terrifying or hilarious (laughs) than it has been in recent months.
1: Hey, you got to keep people in line and, you know, different people have different tactics and, uh, you know, mine just happens to be very effective so
0: far. <laughs> Is there a certain moment that like everything like clicked for you as far as like maybe the Brody Leon Dynamite versus the Brody Leon BTE?
1: That's a great question. I think honestly, uh, the promo I cut on Cody challenging him for the match the week after.
0: Oh, the yelling, the one in the uh, yes camera where we did stage. it
1: in the hallway. at Silver and Reynolds there. I think I went in and and literally didn't. I had some thoughts in my head and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go in. And it was Jess, of course. And she goes, well, what do you have in mind? I said, I don't, I don't know, but I just want to, this is kind of how I want to present it. And whatever comes out, comes out. And I think we did it twice. And she's like, are you happy? I was like, yeah. She's like, I was like, are you happy? She goes, yeah. Cause I trust Jess very much. And uh, when the, it was shot and shown, I was like, man, that was so powerful because it was stuff that I believed in. It was things that were real to me. And I had people tell me like, man, we could feel you, what you're saying like you you are so into it and i was like yeah because it's real and so that was kind of the term i was like oh my god i need to start understanding not to script out everything word for word because i'll get lost um, but have these ideas in my head that i want to say and then just go out and scream them and just intensity and passion and it does, sometimes it doesn't matter what you say but how you say it and learning that was very important to me and then just the opportunity and the reps of getting it over and over and over like i crave tv time now where there was a time i was terrified of it where it was like oh you have a 20 minute match and then i knew oh no problem i'm good in the ring but if they were like hey you have a 10 minute promo it's like oh shit what do i do now it's like i want that 10 minute promo i, I crave it so yeah it, it it hit and it feels good i don't know the exact moment but i feel like that promo with cody and then the, the bt bleeding up to that was kind of the turning point to where we are now yeah You
2: do know, and I know you, you, you know, all the old school stuff, but that was the way guys got over and that was doing promos Mm -hmm. and using the, using themselves, being themselves or not being scripted. Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Jim Cornette, Roddy Piper, you know, those guys, they just went out and talked. Yep. And that was the way I mean that's that's really old school stuff.
1: And that was kind of the thing that I was never given the opportunity to do the last eight years. And and right. to my fault, I didn't master it. So I kind of threw some time away too, because I, I had I had resources that I didn't use possibly. So when now it's like a second chance and it's like there's no way I can give this one back. And it's like, okay, now it's time to step up or get the fuck out.
0: We're talking with Brody Lee on AEW unrestricted. Huge, huge impact you've had so far on Dynamite. We're going to talk a little bit more about your background.
2: We're talking with uh, Brody Lee, who is an uh, uh, instrumental part of the success of AEW right now. Exalted one, leader of the Dark Order, all-around good guy and well-rounded, as we found out from talking to him in the first segment. Not only from <laughs> on being the elite, but I don't know who's judging <laughs> that other
1: than me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm it's on the board and I'm counting it.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I want to I want to talk to uh, about your background, and we need to. Okay. But before I do, I want to go, I want to go back to just one thing. Touch on that you said earlier. It really had to be, and I, I think we touched on this when when you and I talked uh, when we talked on our one hundred or the one year anniversary show. It had to be really disappointing that you were unable to make your debut in Rochester, New York.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it shook me. Uh, it was heartbreaking, honestly. Every yeah. time I'd been to Rochester with WWE, it had been a literally a wonderful experience, whether it was I was in a dark match or whether I was in the main event, because I had done it all in Rochester and house yeah. shows. I'd been in the main. I'd been in the dark match before TV there. But no matter what, the people were happy. They were there. The advance to this AEW show was great, which gave me just huge confidence because there, there was rumors, but nothing had been said. And, but people in Rochester knew that it was the time that I, my contract was free, and that it was serendipitous. And yeah, that day that it didn't happen where, I think we talked about before, where Trump had his address about COVID, Tom yeah. Hanks ha- said he had COVID, and Rudy right. Gobert did the thing, and the NBA canceled their season the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a week before, literally a week before. You guys were in Salt Lake. Yep. Right. And I went to bed thinking, okay, you know, because we've never been through anything like this, so who knew? So I went to bed thinking, ah, this feels... Okay, you know everyone they'll get it in control and everything will be fine. And then once the NBA season went down and the NHL started, and then it was just like, oh my God, this is this is legit a legitimate concern for everybody in the world. And yeah, it it sucked. (laughs) Then I then then I knew it wasn't happening. And that's where Tony said, look, we can do this at Daly's place in Jacksonville. We're gonna run here. He goes, if you don't want to, I completely understand. But I had been off tv i think for eight months and or maybe even a year at that point i'm not even sure but for a while off and on and i was just ready to be a professional wrestler like i talked about and i didn't care what the situation was of course after those first couple appearances i was like man this is very different because i watched the product i watched aew and you know the crowds and just what a dream that would have been in rochester (laughs) sure right man Yeah. Well
0: someday.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'll get your chance. You'll yeah. get your because
2: we were we were gonna have a, a gigantic crowd that
1: night.
0: That, that was gonna then, be
2: a
1: big yeah, night for us. That was that night in New Jersey. The blood yeah. and guts cage was blood the next guts. week, yes. So yeah. it was gonna be a pretty awesome start. Uh instead I did it in front of zero at Daly's place. Yep. Yeah. Right. I think
0: there were like two, maybe <laughs> <laughs> Do our you guys? thirteen.
1: Thirteen. <laughs> yeah, thirteen. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And though, oh, I think great.
1: now though, like I've gotten so accustomed to it now. Um It might feel weird when people are back in the stands. It might be, there might be too much energy (laughs) happening because
0: I'm fired up now. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm bludgeoning men, you know, for a bad pun. (laughs) As Vince, Vince literally named us that because when we asked, why did you name us that? He said, bludgeon, it's an action. You can feel it. And I literally just (laughs) use it as an action, you know. Okay, he's right.
0: Apparently it works.
1: (laughs) Maybe I was the one wrong. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the verb. It's yeah. a verb.
2: Okay, let, let's let's go back and talk about your start. You were a backyard wrestler along with your brother,
1: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Also, a uh, there's a there's a young man named Chris Harrington that you may or may not know that also I participated in the backyard with me.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, hold on. Wait a hold on. Wait
1: a minute. That wimp took some bumps, <laughs> not well <laughs> and not many. Man, I got some stories when i see him next time. Okay. This is going to open up many videos and pictures of old me to be put into the wilderness. So uh, this may have been a mistake by me. But yes, that's where we started. Uh, This is
0: not a mistake. This is not a mistake at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we did that. And then I think Chris's group with his group of friends actually had gotten a ring and they invited me down to just be, you know, we were putting our own thing together. And from there, we kind of, we still weren't trained, but we then had a spot where we could run shows and we ran our own shows. It was like a karate dojo. The guy was very cool about everything. We had like maybe 150 seats in there. We used to fill it up. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So then when we kind of figured that out from there, we started to actually train. And then from there, I mean, I, I like to tell people I'm very poorly trained. And if you watch me wrestle closely you can tell I'm poorly trained. My footwork's horrible. There's a lot of things that are just terrible that I do. But literally in the middle of training, we just kind of went on the road and figured it out from there. And that was probably yeah. 2003.
0: Okay. Oh what, was your, uh, what was your first gimmick?
1: Huber Boy 2, which is my real last name. Um, and we were going to have a big group of Huber Boys. And it only ended up being me because my brother <laughs> turned out to be a referee and a chemist. Yeah and uh never wrestled so uh, <laughs> i was huber boy too i had number twos all over me and yeah there was no number one he was a referee yeah did, did you wrestle under a mask as huber boy too uh probably at
2: some point okay you you did wrestle under their mask though right uh not regular okay i don't know where you're getting your information from tony i don't know if i can trust you okay. anymore that's from aubrey got it from her
0: <laughs> bullshit okay <laughs> fuck you tony <laughs>
2: You were, you were also okay. Let's see if this one's correct Uh that we got from Aubrey. Uh, You were into tape trading too, right? Huge, huge. Oh, totally (laughs) mine.
0: Totally mine. Yeah.
2: How did that start? How did that start for you?
1: So it's funny now. We I just moved down to uh, Tampa, Florida, and in the move, we have these two giant bins of just VHS tapes. Yeah. And my wife's like, "Well, what do you want to do with them?" And she she could care less one way or the other. We have the space to put them in storage or whatever. And I I. contemplated throwing them away and I could not bring myself to do it right just two giant bins of these tapes that I'll never watch that I have available everywhere else to me now but I just can't right. I just can't do it I don't know how it started somewhere around the point of ring of honor starting I think in 2000 maybe 2001 that's how the that promotion was built on tape trading and we kind of would get the hour of video catalogs and I was a big ECW fan. So then when these fan cams were available to me, I said, Oh, well let's try to watch the show this way. And then from there I would buy like a best of the Independence 2000 and Chris Daniels would be tearing it up, you know, like oh, in yeah. three forgive it you know? And it was like, I was hooked, hooked. And then from there it was just like, you pick, you get these best ofs and then you just pick the guys that you want and you'd buy every ring of honor show. And then, I was doing ring crew for ring of honor early with done and Marcos. I'd travel up with them and the carnage crew and do ring crew for a lot of these real early shows. And like, I think that taught me how the business, like not the glamorous part of the business, but the real shitty part of the business was, and I was okay with it, which is a key aspect of success in pro wrestling.
0: Right. You kind of have to know how to deal with the shit.
1: We are told, I think Dr. Tom said, do you like the taste of shit? And, you know, he goes, He goes. well, you probably should because you're going to eat a lot of it. And, like, yep. that was his advice in getting into the business.
0: That's actually Which is true. pretty good.
1: Yes, it's true. Yeah. But, I mean, I could never, there's zero regrets. It was the best time of my
0: life. Oh, yeah. The the amount of friends you make on, right. like, really shitty situations being <laughs> yes. on the indies. you're Exactly. Life, These are the best times yep. of my life. Exactly. These are so great. Speaking of indies, you were uh, Brody Lee on the indies before you got signed, correct? I was.
1: I was. 2007 yeah. we were in a diner and um i, I think it was lit from uh, special k sitting across from me and he's like we were trying to think of a new name for me because i think hero boy 2 wasn't very marketable as you no i don't know i disagree <laughs> but <laughs> and he said boy you look like um i can't think of his name now uh brody bruce in mall rats uh jason lee yes jason lee and he's like you look you look just because i had n- kind of very trimmed down, and if I shave now, I look like Jason Lee. And uh, he said, "You should be, you know, Brody Bros's name in mall rats So he's like, "You should be Brody," and then use his last name, Lee. And I was like, "Huh, that's great." And Kevin Dunn from the Ring Crew Express will tell you that he was the one that had that conversation with me. But I believe it was lit from Special K. So who gave me my name? So I think that was 2007, and then that's where I ended up in chikara I was just on a road trip with some with the Olsen twins, and Reckless Youth no showed. It was a Sunday show, I think, in Hellertown, Reckless Youth, No Show to Show. And uh, Mike Quackbush looked over and he goes, Hey, did you bring your gear? And I said, Yes, I did. And <laughs> that was how my, my super indie career kind of began. And that's where it started to like progress kind of then around the world and then Ring of Honor in 2009.
2: Your first name, Brody, mm-hmm. and you're just your, I don't know, the the way you, the look in the ring, I guess, reminds us of Bruiser
1: Brody. You realize that. Don't oh, yeah. You? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm. I mean, love him. I mean, that's one of the huge... Sure. Tape was... I had so many of him, you know, all over the world. Uh, him and Terry Funk. Right. Him and Abdul. Just... So, these crazy matches that I was in love with. And right. I finally got to do one <laughs> two weeks ago. Sure. Do you ever had a chance to meet Terry Funk? I have. I've just very briefly at an indie show, uh, he was getting taken out to go back to the hotel and just very briefly got to say hi to him but literally probably my favorite professional wrestler of all time wow yeah oh, very cool damn yeah
2: okay l- l- let's go through uh let's go through your uh, debuts or your uh some of your highlights 20 uh 2002 rock city wrestling debut
1: yep i believe that was two. Th- believe that was 2001 and I only, I only remember this because my father passed away in 2001. I debuted oh. a month after he passed away and he never got oh. to see me. So it was a little heartbreaking, but mm. I don't yeah. want to be sad. It's okay. Uh, but that's how I remember it was 2001. Because Alex came up to me last week and he said, hey, you debuted on this day in 2003. I said, I'm pretty sure I debuted in 2001. And then some research, he goes, yeah, you did. So yeah, the, wait. Um, Alex was,
0: Marvez got a stat wrong. Yes,
1: he did. I what so you I heard it i I'm guys. so sorry for stooging you off, Alex. Uh, He's a fraud. <laughs> but the Rock City Wrestling was the one that we kind of put together by ourselves, and it was like okay. um, almost a boxing ring. <laughs> so I probably mounted up some early injuries there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that yeah. We, we did. We would run monthly, and Chris Harrington was also a member of that
2: group. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of to, a lot of
0: fodder for him. Whoa, I can tell you that we're going to have to have Chris Harrington on the podcast. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I don't know if that'll work out for me. No, it's like why is suddenly Brody not getting booked on Dynamite anymore? Who's he? have heat with? I don't understand.
1: Does he have that much power? Fuck. He no. like runs AEW. I He's know. Like one of I know. The
0: quintessential guys.
1: I know that's bad for AEW. Maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so in 2010, you went to Dragon Gate in Japan.
1: Yep. So that's ended a up funny with,
0: a, yeah, fun story. Go.
1: I, I was just going to say, so I'm in WXW, um, wrestling bad bones and all the drag guys had come over for a tour to WXW and bad bones like, Oh, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do fucking everything. I want to do a Rana. I want to do all this crazy shit. He goes, why? I go, because this is what these people like and I'm very big and I think they'll like it. So we did it. And literally that night, uh, Shima came up to me and he goes, Hey, uh, do you want to come to Japan? And I was like, yes. And then, so went home, like we had the contact and went to Dragon Gate and Shima was, couldn't have been a sweeter person, human being to me, like just a wonderful person. Um, That's where I met Ben, Pac. um, That's where I met Trevor, Ricochet. We all stayed together. Rich Swan. They were all, so Rich Swan, Ricochet and Pac were all on the same tours as me. And it's just insane to think of those three, the amount of talent just in the room that I was in. So, Absolutely, yeah. So I think that's where I learned to almost keep up and not have a plotting, um, methodical style almost, which I had to relearn when I came back. But like, that's almost, and that's today's style. So I think I'm kind of, that's where I learned started to learn it. Okay,
2: so uh, you were signed uh, with the uh, WWE and sent to developmental in 2012. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like?
1: So about six months earlier, I had been in contact with somebody there and um, was getting ready to go down for one of their tryouts. I uh, broke my leg, tore, uh, dislocated my patella, uh, lost Ooh. my sh- lost my shoe job. And then a week later, my wife told me that she was pregnant. Unplanned. <laughs> so, mm. and it was mine. So it was okay.
0: That was going to be my <laughs> next question, go. but I didn't know if it was rude to ask.
1: <laughs> uh, so then the world was ending, you know, I don't, but then six months after that, they called me again and said, Hey, are you healthy? And I said, actually, yeah, just literally just got cleared. He said, Hey, can you come down January 1st? So my son's now scheduled to be born early January. Oh, Yep. And so I'm traveling to Tampa from Rochester to do this week long trial. So my wife said, "You know, no problem. Go ahead. So the baby did not come out. Uh, the week happened. And then, January 17th, we're in the hospital having the baby, and john that's when Johnny Ace called me. The phone breaks up, so I think, of course, I've ruined my entire opportunity at Pro Wrestling Stardom. Uh, I don't have his number because it cut off, so I call Claudio, and I'm like, oh, my God, you have Johnny Ace's number. And he goes, yeah, here it is, texted to me. I call him. I said, Johnny, I'm so sorry I missed your phone call. He goes, oh, no no problem. He goes, hey, do you want to work here? And I said, yeah. And, yeah, got hired the day my son was born.
2: Wow. Yeah. Damn. Great story. So it's pretty cool. Tremendous story. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, how the Wyatt family idea was presented to you.
1: I don't know if either of you have met Bray Wyatt, but he is a very intense human being. And before, before I was even hired, Claudio calls me and we never called each other. So I pick it up and he, I say, hey, man. He goes, hey, you know, we hear you, you might get, I is just almost maybe getting signed at this point. Nothing had been signed. He goes, hey, but somebody wants to talk to you. He gets on the phone and it's a man I've never met, never spoken to, nothing. And he, for the next 10 minutes, rattles off these ideas of what the Wyatt family became. And then he goes, all right, man, I'll see you later. And then Claudio gets back on. And he goes, yeah, Bray, just, he really wanted to talk to you. He knew you were coming here. He just really wanted to talk to you. And I go, well, what happens now if I don't get signed? Is he going to be really, really upset? <laughs> so, but literally everything he said was exactly what he wanted to present it that way. And I had, just happened to fit in perfectly at the time. And I didn't change a thing from when I was on the indies at that point.
0: So is there anything that you had uh, you had hoped the character would be that maybe... I thought it was a really
1: great step into that world. I always hoped that it would progress from there and become an actual character. Um, we used to get asked all the time, like, well, what is, what is your character? And then I would point out how somebody else on the roster's character had been fleshed out through a series of feuds or storylines or things that they did on air not just like hey here's this character he delivers cookies or whatever like some stupid shit that's a gimmick so i always was of the i thought hoped that it would flesh out somewhere from behind Bray to the forefront and just never happened
2: all right so now the bludgeon brothers become a reality you and eric rowan together the crowd reaction was huge, positive for you guys when you first started. So what, what do you think happened?
1: Yep. So literally every time that an idea for Mia Rowan would uh, come to fruition, it would instantly, and a singles idea, it would instantly be right. taken to a certain level and then be like, you know what? I think we're just going to put them back together as a tag team. And we did it three times, and we were always happy to do it. The Bludgeon Brothers, looking back, was a very cool run. Mm-hmm. I think it's underrated. Because we never really had the big matches except for with the New Day and the Usos one time, so we never had those big matches that people could sink their teeth into. Sure. But as an eight eight month run, it felt it was awesome, and I don't know where it was going to go. Rowan got hurt, tore his bicep at the end, and it just kind of disintegrated everything. And yeah, I was sent home eventually. Okay.
2: Well, bludgeon is a verb. <laughs> it's an action. <laughs> it's, an it's an action. action. It's you an can, action word. You can That's exactly feel it. Right. You can feel it. Feel Feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Feel it. Okay, said, sure, we man. do have a shit ton of fan questions <laughs> oh for Mr. Boy. Brody Lee that we're going to get to here on AEW
1: Unrestricted.
0: Mr. Brody Lee, the exalted one of the dark order, is with us here on AEW Unrestricted. We have a few fan questions, but before we get oh, into that.
1: I thought it was a shit ton.
0: A few. A it shit is. Ton. It's, it's it's on the spectrum between <laughs> okay. a few and a fair, shit ton. Fair. So good between save, good save. two good save. <laughs> and a million. Well
1: played. Well played. Well played. <laughs>
0: So, your, your DMs on Twitter have always been open,
1: wide open.
0: <laughs> so, before we get into the questions, has there any been like what's the funniest, craziest oh, thing you've gotten? man,
1: I don't know. I've had a couple, I don't know. Surprisingly, I don't get anything too crazy because I don't respond too much to the opening crazy. So, if the opening's crazy, I'll kind of let that one settle. Um, I do, I, I say thank you a lot and, and stuff like that, but I never really engage too much. Um, I've had some hockey conversations on there. Cool stuff like that. Uh, but honestly, nothing, which I opened them up for the crazy and it's, it's been a little disappointing and they're still open. I have 650 unread ones in there that i I've, I've through a few each day. <laughs> I also have had, I have a lot of people send me the same stuff every single day that I oh, noticed. I've heard of yeah. that. I mean, so I put up the same thing every day, so I get how you can be mental like that, baby. <laughs>
0: so right. I yeah, can't really whole, fault them Tuesday, for that one. Yeah, Wednesday. I can't really fault them. They're just copying your gimmick, man. It right, really right. Works.
1: But yeah, that's. I mean, it's a bad answer, but I nothing to... I, I'm almost... Dis, like I said, I'm disappointed. So I'm sure when this comes out <laughs> and I say this, yeah, I'm going to get all the weird shit. All the dicks. I have zero, all zero. Zero so far. You've
0: got zero, dick zero. dicks.
1: Zero. John Silver tells me he gets... <laughs>
0: Of course, Silver would get
1: dick pics. I, no, zero. Lord, we didn't need uh, to hear that one, okay.
0: <laughs> Johnny, you know, honey.
2: no, of course, he, he does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Okay. <laughs> this is A.W. Underscription, everybody. <laughs> no, I was going to say,
1: I was told there's no, no lines here.
0: <laughs> no, no
1: it's, that's right.
0: So
2: woo. you mentioned, Brody, you mentioned you're a big oh, hockey oh, fan. Oh, I one mean. more thing. I was tiptoeing around okay. that answer off.
1: And then you made it very easy. Thank you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, go ahead. I don't know where to go next. Because I, I, wanted, to say, to I wanted to say, yeah, zero dicks, but I didn't know if I could get pull that off.
0: No, it's zero dicks. I mean, we literally just got done recording with Anna J, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're talking about oh, dick pics, and it like shows up as a filter, and yeah, like, you have to I, tap it to actually see it.
1: I feel like me and Anna J have vastly different DM <laughs> material. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> I, you would probably be right.
0: <laughs> I would bet <laughs> money that you definitely do.
2: <laughs> okay. Have we settled down now? No. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So, Brody, yes. you're a big hockey
1: fan. I'm a humongous hockey fan. Right. Uh, I'll segue for you. Me and my son just kind of went to the Tampa celebration in the arena. Um, it was a, oh. a small one. It wasn't the big, the one at the football stadium. Yeah. It was the one in the Amelie. Um, but we were like 20 feet from the cup. Ah uh, Stamkos, the owner, and a couple other people spoke, and it was just a real cool thing to share with my son to be just to sit. Sure, yeah, it was awesome.
2: Yeah,
1: you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I That's am your team. Die Hard. It's mm-hmm. been a very tough existence, tough go. 1993, they went on a run to the conference finals, and I fell in love with the team, and I've been a fan. Okay. I've been a fan ever since. And Doug Gilmore was like my hero. Growing up, I still, the number 93 is still synonymous with everything I do. It's in my email.
0: Ooh. Oh, yeah. very cool. <laughs> so, that makes sense. Okay. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they kind of the, – the Maple Leafs are very special to me, but literally the heartbreak year after year is mind-numbing at this point.
0: <laughs> That's how you know someone's a true fan. Yeah. And you, like, cheer for a shitty t- team yes. after decades, and you're still in it.
1: And the thing about them is they're supposed to be good now. They have, like, some of the best players in the world, the young – um, and I sat through the, the 10 to 12, 15 years of just misery. So now it's supposed to be the payoff, and I'm not fucking getting it. So, nope.
0: <laughs> All right. Speaking of payoff, let's finally get to some fan questions. Oh,
1: shit. I get paid <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. We've got Chris561 on Twitter. Uh, are we ever going to get a dog in the dark order? Are you going to a take dog pharaoh from Cody? Yeah, to
1: counter pharaoh. I have two dogs, five cats, two feral children. Uh, <laughs> There's no telling who's going to come into the dark order. Um, just the whole I,
0: barnyard behind you, yeah. just with their little paws up. If
1: I brought my dogs, it might not be as exciting. They're very lazy. So I don't know. But they're good dogs. But I, I mean, if I had my way, yes, I'd have a dog tomorrow. Four of them. <laughs> like a cherry. I'm with you, buddy. Yeah, I just don't want to have to handle them at TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, want be like, I want to be like those rich people who have kids, but don't take care of them. I want to have all these dogs, but I don't want—I don't want to take care of my TV. But they can come home with me. <laughs> is that a bad analogy. No, <laughs> boy, tiring. no, I had, a, I had a line there, but I'm going to stay away from
2: it, man. I'm going to stay away from it.
1: I had a real uppercut <laughs> to somebody,
2: but I wasn't going to do it. Okay. Uh, uh, Benjamin Porter, who is at a tingle, is my hero on Twitter. Interesting. Please ask Brody. Interesting. Do you know what this day means? I assume he knows, but I don't.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the funny part about all of this. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's caught on, right? Yeah, now we know what it means. It became, it's honestly become a bit of a sef- self-reflection daily. And honestly, I stopped doing it after the, the dog collar match, and it feels odd to wake up and not do it. Really? but. It's also freeing in a way, so I don't know which way I'm going to go with it in the next few days.
0: So when, like, when did that actually start? Like, what was the impetus for that?
1: Honestly, it became a countdown till my contract is over. Um, <laughs> I was on I was on tour, and I can't remember that. I think I don't remember what country I was going to say Chile, but I don't think it was somewhere on tour. And I literally had in my calendar. You or you can go on Google and type in how many days until. And I would do that like every five days to see how many days I had left in my contract. And I would tell people like little things like that, just to keep myself like, it's coming. I know it's coming. And then they extended it. And so then I moved back and stuff like that. And so then it just became that to remind myself like, Hey, this is going, this isn't going to be forever. There's going to be another opportunity somewhere whether it's here or not. And this is where you can pay this tweet off. And so, yeah, it just became, and then, like I said, it became a self-reflection thing daily of like, okay, who knows what it means. Like I said, not me. And here's the other problem. I've given people that ask me in interviews all the time, and I've always given different answers. So people will bring it back up to me. And I don't remember the answers I give. So I, the truth is I don't fucking know.
0: <laughs> That's how the, most of the greatest things in wrestling work. Right. Like, I don't know. I right. just, right. something it just wanted right. to do. <laughs> all right. The electrode on Twitter asks, do Dark Order members pick their own numbers or are they assigned once they're joined?
1: They're a hundred percent assigned. Anna J was the only one that I had a hand in. She's 99 because uh, Wayne Gretzky wore 99. He was the great one. Mm. So it was my nod to hockey. (laughs) How about that? How about that? And I was very proud of that. Nobody gets it. Nobody cares except me.
0: (laughs) That's all it's about, man.
1: I thought it was was from Get Smart. So that's Tony's thing. He thinks that or he wants – it's the same play. That's where he gets it from. And I was like, no, no, it's Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) Okay. Um, And Tony – as you may know, is a bit of a numbers guy. He has a hand in naming some of the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a lot of a numbers yeah, guy. <laughs> so no, no, one's, no one gets to choose.
2: Not in my group. Okay.
1: Not in my fucking no,
2: group. No, <laughs> man. It's because you're the exalted <laughs> right. one.
1: And also a few, a few of them had numbers before I got there, so I had no 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 say. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Nick X nothing on Twitter wants to know if you could choose to add one wrestler from the past to the Dark Order, Ooh. who would it be and why? Terry Terry Funk. Well, I thought she would Terry say.
1: Funk, but I think the problem will be that he would eventually either kill me, and I would not be the leader of the Dark Order anymore. Or, yeah, I don't know if it'd be beneficial to me as the leader to bring him in, but that would be the a number one. Number two would probably be a Fit Finley, mm. a guy like that. Just, just watching him, I've learned so much from him personally, and just I was a huge fan of his. You know, another guy who I tape traded for. I have multiple Fit Finley tapes. And which is weird when you work with them for so many years to you know it's just surreal still to me. Yeah, such a a, a
2: mellow talking guy in the backstage area, but a real badass, real legit. badass.
1: Like <laughs> if I'm gonna yeah. get in a fist fight, and they say anybody yeah. anybody in the world, I say okay, well, where's fit? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Got a question from B Money Daddy on Twitter. Oh God, I love the, I. I think my favorite part of these fan Q and is just reading the names. I was just going to
1: say, <laughs> Nick Toxic seventy four. <laughs>
0: XX Stoner XX sixty nine.
1: No dicks uh, seventy four. Uh,
0: Dick seventy
2: four. Sorry, Tony. Ninety
0: three. Ninety three. Dick
2: picked to Aubrey seventy five.
0: All right, big money, daddy. Oh, what coaches have offered you advice or strategy over the years, and if oh one uh, so could many. be an advisor to the Dark Order?
1: Yeah, uh, I think the one that I want is spoken for, uh, Mister Arne Anderson. Literally like a father figure to me in my WWE run. I remember some of my first times in just at TV, not knowing what to do with myself at ringside, just awkward. And he would come over and just talk to me. And then once I think he realized that I could handle myself and, and I'm a great worker, that's he then leaned into me even more. And I was told sometimes that he would put me over in these meetings and he'll tell you this, he would put me over in these meetings and he said it might've not been beneficial to me. Because he was so animate about it, but he saw, he said he saw something that was special and he's just such a sweet, genuine human being. I'll always get an oddly timed text from Double just saying the sweetest things, like, you know, checking on my, my wife and kids and checking on me. He's just a yeah. wonderful man. Yeah. He's a good man. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. I did beat the shit out of him twice and uh, my wife threatened to, my wife threatened to divorce me. Mm-hmm. She said, if you put your hands on Double again, it's over. Well. <laughs>
2: Make it a third time for me. Uh, Top Rope Squishy on Twitter says, How hard is it <laughs> Sorry. Top Rope Squishy. <laughs> Top Rope Squishy. By the way, that's Maddie Anderson. All right. Thank you, Maddie, for this. Okay, They
1: give their real names after Top Rope. Squ- I mean, come on, man. Come Sometimes on, we give it,
2: We expose them. Okay. All right. Uh, this, is a, this is a question we've asked Amanda J
1: before. Uh,
2: how hard is it to maintain your composure? and not burst out laughing yeah. when filming Being the Elite? And are you yelling at John Silver and Anna Jay attacking Stu Grayson?
1: Uh, man, it is incredibly hard. If you've seen Silver do one of these things live, the shit uh-huh. that comes out of his mouth is outrageous. And just things that I would have <laughs> never even thought about. He slapped tens titties around a week, two weeks ago, and uh-huh. was looking for milk. And I... Turned around at, at this point, and I said, what the fuck have I become?
0: I, I <laughs> you're an enabler.
1: I considered, I said, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't air this one. And then I said, you know what? <laughs> yes, we should.
0: <laughs> I, think he, I think that's like where the Johnny Hungy t-shirt yeah. came from. So now uh, you're making the boy yeah. money.
1: Who knew? Who knew? But to be fair, I think we've only done a multiple take, I want to say twice. Ooh. So usually those are straight run-throughs. And you, I mean, people yeah. crack throughout the bit usually when i'm cracking i step back behind brandon while he's filming and so they can't see me laughing but even if you see anna J up in the corner she's laughing reynolds is laughing Mm -hmm. uno has his mask so he's okay Stu, that motherfucker can keep it together and he's i don't know how
0: god all right uh the prestigious johnny boy juanito beans on twitter
2: (laughs) wait Wait, what (laughs) That's Juanito underscore beans. Yes, okay. correction.
0: Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when you went to AEW, who was the one that you marked out for more when you appeared at your debut? Was
1: there choices? I don't know. Oh. No. Just <laughs> well, it's it an
0: open-ended question.
1: Who I marked out for?
0: Yeah.
1: Tony Schiavone. Did anyone
0: mark out for you? Like either one. I mean,
1: <laughs> A true legend in the business, Tony Schiavone. Tony, do you, I, I, I'll I just take this minute to answer this question this way because I don't have a good answer for that one. Uh do you ever sit back and just think about how much stuff you've seen and witnessed in professional wrestling? Do you ever like, like and this is a legitimately honest question because I was watching you. I, I can't remember what year it was doing an in-ring interview. And I was like, my, just the amount of history you've witnessed. Have you ever, yeah. does it ever dawn on you or like, how do you <laughs> no
2: Because Rudy, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is just kind of gone in one, one ear and out the other. Uh, but I, I can tell you this. I do sit back Sometimes, and think about all the stuff I missed. Yeah, I really do, and and I, and I regret that. I regret not following it. Yeah, because after you started working with us, uh, I didn't I realize gotcha. you were part of. The, I didn't realize you know your history. So you're saying after I went back and saw,
1: after 2000 or yeah, 01
2: okay. yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that's how I regret. Were you, but were you just so, no, I, were
1: you sour to the business at that point? Or no,
2: I wasn't sour to the business. I just tried to do something else. That's all. I got gotcha. you. But anyway, I just. I appreciate that. makes you it even better that. that
1: you came back now in AEW and
2: like this huge like yeah. that makes it even cooler to me. Yeah, I, I think it's all cool, but I appreciate you saying that. And uh It's mind blowing. We've had a good we've had a good time. I mean we have yeah. uh, had a great time working with you. Even though I do need to say this. <laughs> uh oh. When when <laughs> when when you won the belt mm-hmm. and I think I came in the ring to yep. interview you. Yep. you yep. Absolutely. You did grab me, you were pretty stiff <laughs> when you grabbed me. <laughs> I am like, Ooh, what the hell, That's so big strong.
1: What did I do? Slightly okay. gassed up, and like just a little yeah. worked up at that point. Yeah. You,
0: just want <laughs> you were pretty Tony. worked up. Yeah, I get it. I
1: get it. Uh, giving the
0: but guy you, a hard time.
1: You you gave me some wonderful advice that night. Yep. And I'll never forget yep. it. So what was the advice? Okay, good. I'm not gonna tell you because you don't deserve to know. Why don't I <laughs> <laughs> No, so um I have a horrible habit of And this is new to me because doing promos again, like I talked about, this is new to me. And doing one where an interviewer comes in the ring in a very intense situation where I'm going to be ranting and raving, it's all new to me. So what I was doing is I was going to find the microphone. So if the microphone was down here, I'd lean in and find it, as opposed to letting Tony bring it up to me. And Mm -hmm. it was such a little thing. And honestly, AEW's production team saved me. Because if you look back, they come so tight on me. When I'm talking, right. you can't even tell that I'm bending over. And it, it's masterful. Right. So when people talk about like, yeah, we're these great professional wrestlers, man, these production are making us this otherworldly superheroes. And th- just a little tiny thing like that, people would never even think about. I wouldn't even have thought about right. it. But after you mentioned it to me, I went back and watched it, and I was like, my God, they saved me. And it's just so well done.
2: Yeah, what I mentioned to him, Aubrey, and and I've done this to a lot of guys, <laughs> Cody's another one that says, Stand up straight. You're yep. big, you're strong. Let my let me bring the microphone yep. up to you. Don't hunch over.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said like if especially in a promo like that where I'm supposed to be this domineering, you know, powerful, right. you know, badass all of a sudden, when I'm standing up tall, it's going to look so much more appealing, yep. you know. So, yeah, I, I get it. And I just and timid, <laughs> well, yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. Damn. Right.
2: Yeah, the first interview that we ever did live on on Dynamite was me and Cody. And I remember telling Cody that day, I said, stand up straight and I'll do the interview. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. Yeah. And I just grabbed up. him by the elbow and, and squeezed the elbow. <laughs> and he knew to stand up straight. It. So
1: I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll never, I'll never find a microphone again. Find me. There you go. Because that's a whole other I'll thing.
2: Buy you too. Buddy. Next time I'm hold her way yeah, down, yeah, I'm going to be like, Come on, Tony.
1: Stop ribbing me. <laughs> uh, but that's a whole other thing is, it, it is this is such another little minute detail. But like, if if you're a star, you let these people come to you. And talk sure. to you. You don't go, you don't need to find them. I don't need to, you know. So that's just a little kayfabe minute detail that I,
0: that you made me think about. Right. It's fascinating. <laughs> I, all right. I never deal with any of this shit because I just stand in the back and try not to get hit. So. <laughs> you
1: like, do cool. a lot of other crazies. You deal with all the crazy people. I have to deal with one a night. You have to deal with all of them. I don't have, eh, I sure all of them. of them. Most of them, most of them. Most
0: of them. I had to deal with Billy Gunn. I'm tired of his bullshit.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: who,
1: who
2: isn't? Okay.
0: I know. All right. So, so-
2: <laughs> Is it my turn to ask one? Yes. I, I guess I am. Wolf, Finister, Wolf Finster. Wolf Finster on Twitter. Wolf Finster. Not that I mind the beard, and I know why you've got one, okay. but I'm curious as to when we will see mm. your face again. My God. My uh, <laughs> God. That's,
1: that's, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. My kids wouldn't recognize me. My wife likes it at this point. I don't know. There you go. Uh that was the, the main hurdle to begin with, but I don't I don't know. I like it. I got it trimmed way down for my debut and it was mm-hmm. it was strange even then. So I don't I th- I don't know. Someday, someday. When I'm booking Dynamite in two thousand thirty, maybe I won't have a beard.
0: You're not ripping this okay. out of Tony Khan's hands. <laughs> okay. He
1: can still have final say <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of beard, segueing to the next question, uh, Drastic, fantastic on Twitter. Uh, do you have any facial hair uh, products that you would recommend?
1: Zero, zero. I use none, and I feel like they're not necessary. Because I mean, maybe mine's not groomed to the best of its ability, but I also feel that a beard shouldn't be completely neatly trimmed and groomed. It should look like this, and this is this is a you know a definition of my personality as well, or some shit. I don't know. Yep. No, it is. I get poetic. it. Even for another weird character thing, I'm this well-dressed corporate boss, but when the bell rings, I still have this thing and these wild eyes. And it's just little things like that where to separate the characters. Got it. Great answer.
2: <laughs> and the right answer too,
1: by the way. Like, <laughs> I've had so many things sent to me, you know, beard care. I, never, never.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Hey, Brody. Thanks, hey, man. Thank you guys. This is a blast.
0: This is awesome.
2: It's it's great having you with us. Honestly, it was, it's just, I love it. I was so excited that I found that you were coming in uh, and I think it's great. You've you've been a big part of what
1: we're doing. I love it, man. It's been refreshing to me. I, we talked about on the other podcast, but this has been life saved my life, you know, as my career, I guess, you know, saved my career. So sure, this is wonderful.
0: Yeah. Your positivity is, is, <laughs> I mean, it knows no bounds. It's just like seeing how much like happiness you exude backstage. It's it's wonderful. Yep. I don't love tell it. my wife. Wouldn't dare. <laughs> sure she doesn't listen to this.
1: Wouldn't dare expose she, the gimmick. She is. She's baffled. <laughs> she's baffled that people like me. I think. I think it's because I have just such sick charisma, and you know, <laughs> magnetability. Like it's just. I don't know. You know, she doesn't get yep. it. But I said you must get it because you married me. So.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: There, there you go. There you go, lady.
0: Awesome. Yeah, you Absolutely.
1: tell her, Tony. <laughs> oh, I will.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Brody. Thank for you. For those very listening. Much. You can follow Brody Lee on Twitter, this Brody Lee. Subscribe to AEW Unrestricted Podcast for free. Wherever you get your podcast, new episodes every Thursday morning. And you can check out video versions of the podcast on YouTube. Just search mm. for AEW Unrestricted.
2: And tune into AEW Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 Central on TNT. My name is Tony Chavon. I'm Aubrey Edwards. I'm Brody Lee. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Unrestricted. Woohoo!